Welcome to Insert Here, a sex podcast where lust and learning meet. I'm your host, Kate Warren. Each week, I invite a new guest on the show to share their experiences outside the heteronormative or vanilla worlds of sexual expression. Guests bring a wide variety of gender, orientation, and racial experiences to life through their stories. They approach sexuality in fascinating ways and talk about how it's informed by who they are and what they've experienced. I invite regular people to share their best tools, tips, and tricks for communicating, thinking about, and of course, having great sex. Today, we're joined by Jennifer. Uh, She's been a nonfiction editor for the last 30 years for folks like National Geographic and the Discovery Channel. But a few years ago, she embarked on an adventure to reinvent herself as an entrepreneur and artist working in different mediums to open up conversations about sex. She founded the salon Women Uncorked in Tacoma Park, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., which has since grown to four sister groups around the metro area, including Baltimore. And she created the Graphic Sex Project, a live art installation and tool for helping people talk about sex. Jennifer will be talking about how having kids impacted her sex life, how a trip to the nudist resort changed her marriage, and will bring us into the loop on her newest project, the Graphic Sex Project. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much. So as we do with every episode, we'll start out uh, by me asking you to share the labels that you choose to use for yourself, if you choose to use labels. Uh, She, her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you identify, uh, so other things that people tend to uh, have labels around are like their gender identity, mm-hmm. um, their orientation, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I identify as a woman and um, uh, bisexual. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. So to start out, um, you and your husband were together for 20 years before you opened your marriage up. Uh, yes, that that's right? right. We met in college, okay, uh, and we were together for ten years, and then we got married, um, and we had two kids very mm-hmm. shortly after that, um, and uh, and we had a uh, your your basic long term monogamous marriage, uh, and I was identified as. Uh, heterosexual and mm-hmm. we both identified as heterosexual uh, but about 10 years ago we uh, that that changed and we uh, started uh, exploring other ways of being sexual together and it's been a long 
it's been a long journey for us. That's pretty amazing. You know, I think a lot of people uh, don't have examples of relationships where mm. they can see other ways of being mm. outside of sort of that heteronormative box where it's mm-hmm. like man and woman, both are straight. Like they're never having sex with anyone else ever again. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through a little bit of, you know, some of the catalysts for that change in your relationship and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I, definitely for us. I mean, we live in the in Tacoma Park, outside of Washington D.C., which is um, it's a very liberal community. Definitely Tacoma Park. Um, but our, you know, we we had children and we were uh, operating in this milieu of basic heteronormative. Uh, long-term married people all of our friends were in that so it had never really occurred to us to uh, approach our marriage in any other way Um, but uh, so after we had children we had a long period of I would say uh, I think I can say with confidence that we had pretty bad sex for a a pretty long period of time which is I think not that uncommon I mean, sex, children are kind of a sex life killer for a lot of people mm-hmm. um uh, why do you think that is well they take up a lot of time yes uh, <laughs> and energy a, a ton of energy uh you're kind of exhausted all the time um you you know they're there are always there, and to, to, to this day, the sound of footsteps above my our bedroom is total libido killer for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so so many times. You know, we're having sex, and then you know, pat 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 pat, pat a little their feet knock on the door. You know, oh, um, busted, <laughs> or the, just the kids crying, or um, so there was that, and also I had a fair amount of you know I had fairly traumatic first birth mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of tearing oh. um, and um, so I had pain painful intercourse for a long time after my children were born um, I also struggled for a long time with other kinds of um, uh, uh, painful intercourse due to like um, um, pH balance oh uh, yep, <laughs> I live that. I'm here for you. Yeah, yes, it's totally. so it's a delicate ecosystem it's down there. It's a delicate, delicate ecosystem that was also exacerbated by my. I was taking birth control pills, and those were a total libido killer. Yeah, totally. Um, and then I discovered, I think, I mean, in some way, yeah, really, uh, in some way, the 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 catalyst that really began to turn it all around for me was when I discovered boric acid. Okay, so what's I, the tea on boric acid? Tell me, tell me the dirt. Um, it's awesome for correcting pH ba- vaginal pH balance. Where do so I, get I had it? How I mean, do I use it's it? like Tell me everything. <laughs> I, I totally changed my life. Um, I struggled for a long time with like chronic yeast infections, and even mm-hmm. when I didn't have a yeast infection, I would just have this sort of you know, kind of, yes. just sort yes. of just I, a yeah, little off, you yeah, know, same. a little off. Um, you like sneeze at it wrong, it's upset, and it needs like six weeks to exactly. like rec- recover exactly. by the sea. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so boric acid is a, I mean, it sounds creepy. It's actually like a roach killer (laughs) in poison, (laughs) but, uh, as a suppository vaginally, it totally fixes the pH balance. It like resets. Mm -hmm. So, so now, um, 
like if I feel just a little bit off, you know, it's just mm-hmm. tiny bit on the uh, the base side, I can taste it, you know. Yep. Um, and if I taste a little bit off, I pop in a boric acid suppository and it fixes my pH. And, oh, and, and, it, and it really had, it was like, oh, I don't have these long periodic periods where sex just kind of irritates a little bit. In, right. Intercourse. Yeah. Sort of you know? uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Penetration would be kind of, in, kind of slightly off. So mm-hmm. anyway, I started... Uh, Taking boric acid, I, I did, really didn't think I'd be coming on here and talking immediately about boric acid. No, you're giving gifts to so vaginal many people. Because <laughs> a lot and a lot of, a lot of women talk to me about these yeah. kinds of things, and I this is something that I personally experience. Mm-hmm. And I talk to a lot of people about sex and pain during sex, yeah. and yeah. and boric acid is not something that is often a part of the conversation. So oh, thank good. you for sort of sharing. Where can people get it? Uh, and then we'll move forward. You can get you can get it at CVS. It can it comes in a you know a, a a jar of powder, and then you buy capsules, like gelatin capsules, and you fill them up with boric acid. Just and a little DIY project. <laughs> yes. I, for I, your pussy. Yes. <laughs> my husband and I will do it together. We'll get a little assembly line <laughs> of making capsules going. Amazing. Um, and it's, you know, great. The next day, your your uh, pussy takes, tastes delicious. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> All right. So if you want, you know, a little DIY project with your partner to have your pussy taste tasty. Awesome. Boric acid capsules. Yeah. All right. So you found this holy grail of pH. Yeah. And I also whispering. stopped taking birth control pills Bless. Um, my children grew up a little bit and were became a little less um uh, uh and then oh and my, my husband got a vasectomy oh. uh, which was what inspired the stopping taking birth control mm-hmm. pills and it and it really just the combination of these things just really blossomed our sex life awesome. um after a long period of bad sex and you know like you know, I, I, I always felt like sex was, um, is a really, a, such an important part of a relationship. You know, I really, I want all those benefits of sex, even if sometimes I don't actually feel like sex. I, you know, I want the closeness. I want the connection with my partner. I want that kind of communication, nonverbal communication. It's, you know, it's good for your skin. It's good for your cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. you know, it's good for your muscle tone. Um, it's good for just sort of being aware of your body and bodily aware. So it has tons of benefits. Um, so, um, uh, so I always, even when I really kind of didn't just feel like having sex, I would try to inspire that desire in myself. Mm -hmm. Um, one way that I've often put it is that I kind of realized that if, if somebody gave me the choice, like, would you rather have the uh, sex drive of your your husband or my my partner Mm -hmm. would would I rather have Tom's sex drive or would I rather have him have my sex drive you know which would you choose you know red pill blue pill yeah totally that's a great way to think about it and I thought you know I'd want I want his sex drive Mm -hmm. I want I want the I want to have the strong sex drive I don't want to have be a low sex drive couple I mean there are many couples that where they're they they're I mean, it's, all that matters is that you're matched, really. Right, right? exactly. Um, so, you know, if you both have a low sex drive, you know, and that, that's fine. If you both have a high sex drive, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. good. But, yeah. there's, but more often, there's a mismatch. Right. Um, so I wanted to increase my level of, of desire. Um, so, you know, so that's been like a, a journey to try and, you know, keep my desire up to a level that I think makes my life better. Mm-hmm. So what are some other things that you found helped increase your desire? Um, well, you know, we started doing, um, uh, we started just looking for ways to be more sexual with each other, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of, and I, and I think that, that there's, um, 
there's a lot of ways you can sort of spark your sex drive. You know, you hear like the, the you know, get some lingerie, get some sex toys, you know, um, read some books together, uh, watch porn together, uh, make porn together, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. all of these things. And, you know, it, so we started trying things like that okay. and found that like anything, everything worked, you know, anything we did. Uh, if we said, okay. let's, uh, let's try having sex you, with all the lights on and keep our eyes open the whole, whole time. Um, or let's try having sex, let's try putting blindfolds on and mm-hmm. having sex you know, without, <laughs> you know, like anything you try is like, a, it's like a setting an intention. Saying, you know, we're, let's, uh, we're, we're thinking about sex, we're caring about our sex life, we're trying to make our, our sex life fun and exciting. So as long as you're doing that, you know, it doesn't matter what particular thing you actually right. do. Well, and, and pe- I think people really get on sort of um, cyclical mental pathways around mm-hmm around physical interaction and pleasure, mm. right? Like we do this position and then we do that position and then we yeah. do this third position and then we come and then we're done. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, so to your point, like anything that sort of deviates from that mm-hmm. routine sp- yeah. spices it up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it makes you, th- now we're thinking about this. We're doing it in an intentional right. way. You don't so. have to jump, jump immediately to like, and let's buy a strap on. It can just be like, yeah, no, it can I'm be. I'm going to tie like, you to the bed with your, with your tie, your necktie from when you get home from work for a little bit. Right. Right. I'm going to tell you a, uh, erotic story mm-hmm. or I'm going to text you a message while you're at work and tell you what I'm wearing or, you know, mm-hmm. tell you what color my underwear is, you know, yeah. and it's little thing, really little things really can make a big difference. If you're just, if you're doing them as a practice to sort of keep your mind on sex because yeah. as I found I find that I can easily get distracted by life you know and not really I'm not thinking yeah. about sex for a long period of time I'd like sometimes I'd need to sort of consciously remind myself think about my body as the you know animal sexual being mm-hmm. well and I and to your point like we we all we all get really busy cool yeah and, and we and there's so much shame around talking about sex and desiring sex i think especially for women mm. um where we're sort of de-incentivized against totally. prioritizing yeah. it in a yeah. way that's like oh yes like you should be eating healthy you should mm-hmm. be going to to the gym and like yeah. you know barring any like history of trauma or other barriers mm. like you should be taking the time and space to like invest in your sexual life yeah yeah and I think that that's true that there's a lot of shame and embarrassment or, you know, that, that it's sex, talking about sex is creepy or talking about sex is dirty or, you know, yeah. you know this bad girl thing or something. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of social taboos in our society about talking about sex, which is exactly why I started Women on Court. Perfect transition. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. We call that a segue. <laughs> Um, so women on court. Yeah. So I, so I, um, I found that I wanted to. And just really quick. Yeah. You, so women say, on court. Say what it is. Okay. Uh, and just so folks know, uh, we also had on a previous episode, um, another, um, person who runs women on court. Yeah. Uh, named Rebecca Haskell. Yeah. Rebecca. So her episode's great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I started women on court as a way for women to come together. People identify as women. It's open to anyone who identifies as, uh, as a woman and, uh, to get together and talk about sex in just a very low key unstructured way. You know, mm-hmm. let's just get together and talk. Uh, and I started it at uh, Rhizome DC, which is a uh, event space that my husband founded. Okay. Um, and 
so it would happen once a month. And then Rebecca, who came came to one of my women at Cork, and she said, oh, this is great. Can I do one? And so <laughs> she started one in, in Columbia Heights. And then uh, um, Reba... Who's also been Who's on the show. Who's also been on the show, right? <laughs> yes. She said, oh, this is great. Can I do one? And do fun circles. So, um, so it, in some months, there's three or four going on around mm. D.C., which is great. Um, so the, the original, uh, my original motivation was uh, that to have the, this place where women could, could talk about sex. Because I felt like, man, I've had periods where my sex life was terrible and I never talked about it to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had times when my sex life was great and I never talked about it to anyone. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, it seems like we could, you know, bounce these ideas off of each other. Totally. You know? yeah. um, Develop some best practices. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, there's... Uh, there's, although it seems like our culture is like steeped in sex, everybody says, you know, but it's not really. Um, you know, if you want to talk about your actual personal experience, no, it's, you know, that's TMI, you know, right. Twitter's, Twitter and joking about it, uh, but not um, really, you know, talking mm-hmm. um, about what our real experiences are, which I think. And we're not taught how to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, you know, and it's funny and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, right? Cause I, I talked to people about sex for a year before I started this mm-hmm. podcast because, uh, uh you know, it, it was delayed. The hotel where we record here at the line was a, a year delayed in opening. And so I had a lot of time to just sort of anecdotally talk to people. They'd be like, what are you working on? And I'd say, I'm making a podcast about sex. Tell me what you would want to listen to, what questions you have, yeah. what do you want to learn about? And people would almost everyone would immediately project a sense of like shame and that sense that like they're not supposed to be talking about Mm -hmm, it and then mm -hmm. immediately would sort of be maybe apologetic like oh well I don't have that Mm -hmm. interesting a sex life so right but then shame about their own experience you know or desires or different or am I the only person who feels that way or shame if you yeah yes am I normal I'm you know, I, no I don't have desire. Exactly. The, I mean, the range of sexual experience is infinite. Yeah. Um, and as long as it's safe and consensual, it's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. have you found in, in running Women Uncorked with sort of addressing that um, that sh- that shame or, or overcoming mm-hmm. that sense of shame mm-hmm. or the idea that like they want to aspire to be, quote, er- normal? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the first thing that was so amazing about it was that you know I thought that there would there would be that I'd have to like draw women out or you know get people and and what I found is that if you put you know eight ten twelve women in a room and say let's talk about sex and say you know it's totally fine to talk about sex they will talk awesome. about some sex like, off to the races yeah so <laughs> uh so the conversation it would be uh, very intimate and open and revealing and and a lot of um you know i always tried to center it in um in a place of you know that that sex isn't always just great and wonderful you know there's a lot that's awkward about it there's a lot that's painful there's hard and painful in emotional ways or you know that there there's you know we, we all struggle with something no matter even no matter how great your sex life there's some way that you're trying to change some aspect of it or you know you're trying to get more powerful in this way or you know there's something that's not working for you there's something you're working on there's something right. you know right wrong um, process right right um so i'd always try to um start it off in a place of you know 
talking about some difficulty that I was having mm-hmm. um, as a sort of way to set the bar, you know, that, that this isn't a place to, today we're going to all come and brag about how great our sex life is, you know, because that's... Yeah, we're not here to just share really, war stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so that would be uh, the, sort of the place that we would start the conversation. Um, and then it would be just true freewheeling. Um, you know, a, a lot of it was, you know, women looking for really basic information. You know, I've had people come and say things like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what my anatomy is. You know, we've mm-hmm. done like kind of anatomy lessons there even. Yeah. Um, or, you know, how to have an orgasm. How do I masturbate? Um, how do I have, uh, you know, this is a really common question. How do I have uh, a vaginal orgasm? And I mean, pe- you know, people are still feeling like that they're not, that it's not somehow that their climax or their sexual experience isn't good enough mm-hmm. because of some st- crazy thing that society is saying about that there's a vaginal orgasm, which is like, you well, know, you, from Freud, you know, the universe. Uh, right. Well, and you really watch no mainstream thing. porn, mm. right? Which, I, you know, and I have nothing against um, the folks who, who make porn mm. or perform in porn at all. Um, but I think a lot of the ideals and messages around sex mm. and gender that are presented mm-hmm. in mainstream heteronormative yeah. porn, like, mm-hmm. do sort of set really problematic expectations yeah. about what sex is actually like, what you're supposed yeah. to be doing. And because yeah. there's this dearth of inf- there, because there's like a lack of information around sex, right? Like only 23 three states require medically accurate sex education. Wow. Right? Like yeah. they can, the rest can actually lie to you about what is on your body, which yeah. is wild. Wild. Yeah. So people are watching porn instead, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially I think men. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of misinformation and that sort of does propagate the idea that like, if you're not having like, like, blackout screaming orgasms mm-hmm. the moment like a man's penis touches the inside of your vagina then like you're doing something wrong yeah right which is so, which false. Is so false yeah so I, I there i guess there is a desire in that sort of you know that the basic heterosexual you know vaginal penetration thing that it's going to that you're going to have this penetration for a period of time until you both you know explode at the same time time. (laughs) Uh, which has happened to me like four times in my entire life Um, I think a lot of people are really good at faking the simultaneous orgasm (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah um so, uh, so we talk about uh, those things. I, I actually brought these. Can I? I'm can ready. I show Let's you do too? it. Because a lot of times there's a stack they, of cards um, here in the studio. Yeah, there's a stack of cards. So a lot of times, what we do at Women Uncorked is everyone will write something on an index card that they'd like to talk about or a question that they have. So I brought them a lot. Some of them along because they're kind of fun and give you an idea of the kinds of questions that um, that we talk about. Um, All right, I'm ready. Uh, um, here's I can't masturbate. Help! I mean, so you know, okay. like how to Great. actually how to do it. And we we had we had one where we really everybody shared what they did. You know how you know what they did first, mm-hmm. how they got ready for it or not ready for it. I mean, some people yeah, the ritual. Some people have a ritual. Right. Some people have a ritual to start out with. Some people just you know jump on the bed, pull out the whole Hitachi wand and go for it, you know, <laughs> uh, the vibrator or, yeah. um, or, you know, do, like asking, you know, do, do you put your fingers in yourself and, you know, sure, you know, or, or not either way. Right. right. Or, um, so just kind of the basic, uh, um, 
uh, let's run through, let's through a bunch of yeah, these okay. just to sort of like show the, the breadth of things that you talk sure, about. Sure, sure. Why, why don't we split them up? Okay. Um, how do I get used to penetration if it's painful? That's a sad question. Um, you, you don't get used to it if it's painful. You have to figure out how to fix the pain. Maybe boric acid will do it for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's also, you know, then we talked about pelvic floor um, uh, 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 doctors have to have uh, you can go see a pelvic floor specialist I, mm-hmm. I have a friend that I recommend yep. um, that does that and um, so I mean there's lots of uh, there's lots of things that can cause painful intercourse totally okay. you want me to should I do sure one? you want yeah uh, what do you do when your partner wants sex and you don't we talked about that kind of earlier yeah 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 um, yeah, do you want me to comment on them? Or no, just let's, read let's, just, let's just run through My them. husband is aroused by descriptions of me having sexual encounters with our mutual male friend. Some of, uh, this is a fantasy. How unique is his excitement? Mm-hmm. Answer, not unique, not unique at all. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle being, a, being in a sexless relationship? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, if you're both happy with it, it's fine, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, how successful have you been initiating sex with a new partner? Does it just happen? Does one person, usually the man, always have the upper hand? No. No. Strong no. And, <laughs> and men feel a lot of pressure around, around that. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Sure. The expectation that they always have to be that person to yeah. initiate and keep yeah. things moving. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're like relieved generally when they don't have to. I like this one. How do you stay present when having sex without pressuring yourself to have an orgasm? Which I, this is actually something that we've talked about at a number of, of mm-hmm. women in Cork about that. You know, how do you um, uh, you're exercising your your ability to stay present mm-hmm. is? I mean, it's a it's a practice that you can do. You could almost like a meditation. You know, to really mm-hmm. you know be you know, come, come back to your body, come back to your feelings, come back to your genitals, you're focusing your attention. And if your mind wanders away, you know, just bring it slowly back. It's yeah. the same as meditation. Like meditation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. using breath work uh-huh. in sex yeah. is a really good tool to be able to help do that the uh-huh. same way it is in meditation. Yeah, exactly. Because there's just so much stuff that distracts us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you ever feel jealous of someone else's climax? Um, yes. Sure. Actually, I have. Uh, I have a story about that. Maybe we can get back to it. <laughs> well, you're just going to tease us? <laughs> I think, it, actually, that might be my card. <laughs> um, advice on having a three-way as a couple and dealing with my own potential jealousy. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. It, it, it Actually, the, the that non-monogamy and multiple partners uh that comes up a lot in uh at women on court as well yeah and you so you have had and i think that's a good a good next segue maybe you have had a lot of experience uh now with being non-ethically non-monogamous with your husband and dating mm-hmm. women the both of you separately mm-hmm. how has that been uh how's the process been of coming to that part of your identity sort of a little later in life um well uh, you know i i got um I had a lot of real revelations of myself when I started having sex with women. How old were you when you started having sex with women? Uh, well, I'm I'm 55, so I was, and it was ten, 10 years ago, so 40, 45. Cool. Um, and I had never uh, had, it, you know, I, I don't know. I was I thought of myself as heterosexual. Um, I had boyfriends. It never it really even occurred to me. Um, 
to be really? to have yeah okay that's fair <laughs> I mean I, I think it's more sort of in the cultural climate now that maybe um yeah uh anyway uh the first time that I had sex with a woman I was like whoa this is they're really soft and it's amazing and <laughs> um uh and we we had um uh for a long period, we were doing like kind of partnered um, mm-hmm. sex with other people, and then I, at, at, uh, I quickly came to a place where like I really wanted to explore having sex with women by myself, and so that that's sort of where we are now. Is that um, uh, we sort of date uh, separately, and I started having sex with women, and um, you know I got a lot. Um, hmm, um, I don't know, there's so many ways that it was a really good thing for me. Like, I, um, it was a, a sense of desire for that kind of a relationship with a woman that I'd been missing since in my 20s, the female relationships I had, the female friendships I had that were just so intimate and so yeah. uh, connected and so... Um, you know, they went away in yeah. my 30s, those relationships with women where, you know, I have a lot of female friends, women friends now, but but they're not, they don't have that level of intimacy that we had in our 20s. Yeah. I don't know well, what th- it was. Well, you think about, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up actually, um, because I think, you know, as women, we look back on our, on our earliest female friendships, you know, like your elementary and middle school best friend, right? Where you're like on the phone to each other for like six hours a night after you spent the whole school day together and like they know everything about you. Yes. And cuddling on the couch under a blanket and talking about everything under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about, you know, boys and feelings and, you know, your menstruation and all kinds of stuff. And a good example of sort of like our of older women's desire mm-hmm. to stay connected to that kind of female relationship mm-hmm. i think is the popularity of the elena ferranti books my brilliant okay, friend i don't know that oh one. yeah you're gonna love this yeah. um and uh, men women er, uh, non-binary folks everybody should read these books because they're really brilliant um they came out over the course of the past couple of years mm-hmm. there are three of them um the first uh is called my brilliant friend and uh, it, they're known as the Neapolitan uh, novels. And they were written by a woman who goes by the name Elena Ferrante. Uh, but that is a pen name. And nobody actually knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And it is about... Uh, the, the, this trio of books tracks the, the life of a friendship between two women who grow up uh, in a poor neighborhood um, in Naples, in Italy. Uh-huh. Uh, and how they... During uh, sort of like the... 1940s 50s and and through that time period uh, and how they come of age together and really grapple with um, you know the role of women at the time and what the meaning of friendship and and how they grow together and apart and how they challenge each other and how they hold each other to really high standards Mm. and sort of are each other's muses and models for what it is to be a woman at each period of their life Uh and so kind of what we're to bring it back to what we're talking about you know those books were so popular or are so popular Uh I think because there is this strong desire to feel connected to relationships that feel that way yeah right where you have like decades of intimacy between the two of you so Uh much can go unsaid said and yeah. so you found that that being physically intimate with women and romantically intimate with them sort of brought you back to that feeling exactly cool. yeah yeah so um 
And so in a way, maybe I was just looking for a best friend, and I felt like the best way to do that was to have sex with them. Okay, fair. Um, (laughs) Did it work? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it did. I've had a a couple of of girlfriends that were real, that were, you know, I had a really powerful relationship with, and I got a lot out of them, and I love them still, uh, that were not um, intimate in that way anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, it really fulfilled that for me. Um, And... uh, and it also taught me so much about my own sexual response and my um, um, and my climax and a you know, way there'd been I think there'd been ways that I'd been grappling with my just I don't know dissatisfaction with my the way my body responds sure. sexually you know okay. feeling like my orgasms weren't good enough yeah you know yeah. like they're not very you know strong enough or um does that lead us back feeling like this this kind of just shame about my own yeah the way my body responds um and when I started having sex with women and I saw like up close and personal like how much variety there is Mm -hmm. in the way women respond and the way women climax and what happens you know from like uh, women who uh when they climax you know they barely move you know mm-hmm. they it's very quiet it's like a this like stillness comes over them and then there's like a shudder and you know it's like this just like a, a like a pebble thrown into a still pond it's like mm-hmm. and then That's other beautiful. women who were like you know screaming and bouncing on the walls and thrashing all burning around down you know, the barns yeah. burning down the <laughs> barns so there was so much um uh when i saw that th- that range of 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 um of response and what orgasms for women really look like mm-hmm. um, that just helped me really come yeah. to terms with where I'm like, okay, You're I'm fine. right in that range somewhere. Right. There's, no normal. Normal. There's no such thing as normal. There's no such thing as normal. And totally no wonder fine. men are confused all the time. <laughs> right, because men have such a super obvious tell. Yes. You know, it always oh, yeah. pretty much looks pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, and there's no doubt, you know, nobody has says, well, was that an orgasm? You know, men are, men never, I don't think, I don't think male people with penises ever say, I'm not really sure if I had an orgasm. Hmm. Uh, not, for, not so much. No. Um, or, or, you know, I'm not, you know, really sure. Much less frequently, like, at least. Much less frequently. I mean, maybe I'm sure, you know, never say never. Um, but I think that it's because that there's this, you know, from the first time they they um, masturbate to a climax, they have this, you know, thing happens like oh, very immediate feedback. This feed, very immediate feedback. Whereas yeah. where you know, it's, and certainly some women have that experience, uh, and some don't. Right. Um, and so I think there's just this much bigger range of experience. Yes. Uh, for women, so uh, getting that, I, I needed to see that. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So uh, getting back to the card that we read uh-huh. earlier, feeling jealous of someone else's climax, you said you had a story. Oh, well, I... <laughs> Um, I guess I've always been jealous of the people who really have the, you know, the barn burners. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of my uh, anxiety about or shame about my own sexual response came from, or I, I trace it back to this uh, friend of mine who, you know, who told me basically that my orgasms were wrong. Like I, I, uh, I told her that I was that I had multiple orgasms. And she said, well, 
you're probably not having orgasms <gasps> then. No, the correct response They're is prob- blessings and light. <laughs> <laughs> I was only 17. But you she, are allowed. She was like, oh, well, you know, you're not having them then. If you have, if, you're, if it's a real orgasm, you can't even touch yourself afterwards and you're just done. And you're probably just having little peaks of, of excitement. And I really internalized that. Uh, I know. At 17, yes. Sad. Very, very formative yeah, conversation. she was my best friend, and she told me I wasn't having orgasms. And I... Oh, <laughs> no! I know. Um, so you came through to so, the other side? Yes. So I, I, experiment, I saw other women having orgasms, and I came to a much better place with my own. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, on they, feeling well, ownership over your many orgasms. 30 years, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're all in progress, right? Exactly. Like, Exactly. And yeah. I think I think it is important, you know, especially if, because we're not often in spaces where we can have candid conversations mm. uh, that help us realize mm-hmm. that there's no such thing as normal and yeah. that we're all in process. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and then you can just have them in a fishbowl in the middle of a hotel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny. We do. We do, For those you know listening who have never been to Line Hotel, we're here in, in, a, in a glass box uh, <laughs> surrounded by all the other fine people in the lobby who I always I always feel sort of very sort of t- like titillated. Uh, and the exhibitionist in me really enjoys the fact that like we're in here talking about fucking water. <laughs> Like all these people They're are just strolling by, strolling by on their like business case. trip. <laughs> like if only you knew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we are going to take a really quick break, and when okay. we come back, we're going to talk about the graphic sex project. Oh yeah. Okay. You've been listening to Insert Here on Full Service Radio. Service Radio. Welcome back. You are listening to Insert Here on Full Service Radio. I'm your host, Kate Warren, and today I'm joined by Jennifer, who is one of the fa- who is the founder of Women Uncorked and is here talking about sex after kids and being ethically non-monogamous with her husband of 30 years now. Yeah. Woo, congratulations. <laughs> so now that we're back, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about your new project. 
the graphic sex the graphic project. Sex project, which I'm so excited about because I just I've been working on it for about for three years almost now, and I just launched it as a brand new website yesterday. Congratulations! What's the website? Tell um, people so they can find it. It's called graphicsexproject.com. Um, and it uh, just a, like a little history. So I, st- I started it at Women Uncorked as like an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought people could do this thing and, um, and it would be like a way to talk about it. Um, and, and, uh, and then and we, we did it. So I guess I should explain what it is first. So it was I'd give people a bunch of one centimeter cubes of all different colors mm-hmm. and ask people to make a graph of a good typical sexual experience kind of like telling a story with the cubes you yeah. know you just define decide what each color stands for and sort and lay them out uh you know in sort of temporally and proportionally you know more cubes of something means more of time spent snuggling sure. or uh, data visualization uh, of your sex life exactly yes yeah um and uh and it does uh, what I found is that it, it's a really interesting way to think about your sex life from a really different perspective and get a yeah. really different idea of uh, what you like, what your preferences are. Kind of, I think I, the way I think about it is that it moves it around in your brain from mm-hmm. the p- dark parts of the brain that are usually focused on thinking about sex. But you move it around into the, to the logical part of the brain or to the right. you know you're really uh, putting words on things, putting language on things, uh, giving things definition in a way that you're not that you don't usually right. and then you can take those insights and use them as um, a way to get a better pers- better perspective on what you want what you desire and then use it to communicate with your partner mm-hmm. and I think that's a real key of it that it's a it's a tool to open up a conversation with your partner a safe and fun uh, conversation that's not uh, um, where people don't feel attacked or accused of things or inadequate. Yeah, or, exactly. Or like, you, look at yes. this graph. Right. It's a visual <laughs> aid. Yes. Because, um, you know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking for sex advice, one of the first things people will tell you is, oh, you've got to communicate. You know, you've got to tell your partner what you want. Uh, you have, to, have, you have to, to talk about what you do and what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do that? Yeah, when you, you know? haven't been given the language or taught how to talk about it. Right. It's and, hard. And there's a lot of shame and shame and there's uh, a lot of uh, cultural things standing in the way and people get defensive and or people get embarrassed or they uh, so all those things get in the way of having good conversations about sex so I this is I think a tool to help people do that to, to think about what they want in a concrete way and then take that to a partner and have a conversation about what they want with their partner totally um, and if both people make a graph, then they can share them, and they can have this great, fun conversation because they're 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 fun and they're pretty to look at, yeah. and they're interesting. Um, well, and then you can see how sort of your perceptions of that of your shared sexual experience are different, right? So, like, yes. you may be thinking like we're not doing any foreplay, and he may be thinking we're doing so much foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, and b- both of those things are are valid ways. As you know, as long as you're both into it, yeah. so you know, maybe you could take turns. You know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun to just fuck first and then do the foreplay afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting it done. <laughs> the, um, so there's lots of. Um, um, 
benefits, I think, that people got fit. So I wanted to bring it out of Women on Court into a bigger audience. So I developed it as a live installation, like an, uh, kind of an art installation. I took it to the Artomatic, awesome. um, so, and it was, uh, which is like a six-week um, non-juried art show. This one was in uh, Arlington, and so it was a room, and the, and uh, and the cubes were there, and people could make. And my husband designed this awesome light box where you make the graph and you put it in the light box and take a picture, and then I'd print them out and I had them up on the wall, and there, oh, so there are hundreds, so people graphs. can see that there's no such thing as normal. Right. So that's the fun thing about it too is that you know not only you make, do you make a graph, you also look at the graphs that every, yeah, other people awesome. have made. So there are all these uh, people submit the graphs anonymously to the website and they're all displayed um, uh, so now the web the new brand new website has all the graphs displayed um, and you can sort through them by demographics you can like just look at the all the graphs of uh, you know lesbians or all the mm-hmm. graphs of you know trans men and uh, you know it uh, or you know, uh, women 30. in their fifties. You yeah, know, yeah. you can pick your demographic and look at the graphs that have been made by people in the, that demographic. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so then, so about a year you. ago, I started making uh, that, started designing that website and getting it so that you could make a graph online. Oh, so you can amazing. go on the, you can make, you can make the graph. You, you drag the cubes over. You decide what story you're going to tell. Um, and when you're finished, you save it. Um, you can download it as a JPEG and then give it to a friend or, or, or your partner. <laughs> or give it to your partner. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Or share it with them. So cool. yeah, I'm super excited about it. And then you can submit it and put it in part of the gallery. So I hope cool. that it's going to grow into a gallery of like I mean, tens I mean, of it looks amazing. I checked it out earlier mm-hmm. today, and what really struck me actually were sort of some of the different categories that mm-hmm. people chose to use in their graphs, right? So they had typical stuff, right, like like kissing or mm-hmm. caressing, but they also had stuff like sex games or this one says blood. Um, yeah, wine. Kiss like the world is ending. Yeah, it's really <laughs> nestle. Inter- it's interesting when you look at them that how when you because what the the directions are to to think of a sexual episode Mm -hmm. um but you know sometimes according to these graphs this they start sex starts for people you know hours before any clothes come off even right wine and conversation and cuddling and um you know uh doing chores you know there's a quite yeah, a few. i saw that there are quite a few that are like because you conversation know, this one has a lot yeah, of conversation that yeah. happens because sometimes you, know, you can't it's hard to get into it the the mood of having sex yeah. when the dishes aren't done the laundry's not done and you've got these like uh, responsibilities in life piled up on so getting those things done for some people is a kind of foreplay totally totally um, well, thank you so much for sharing the project. It's really amazing, and I'm congratulations on launching it. Oh, after all, thank this you. Time. I'm really excited to to see how it how it evolves over time. Um, so, again, if people want to check it out and contribute to your project, uh, they can find it at graphicsexproject.com. That's right. Yeah. And do you uh, do you have any other information you'd like to share with folks before we wrap up? Maybe where they can find you and Women Uncorked. Uh, yeah, Women Uncorked is, uh, there, it's, there's a meetup group, um, and then there's also a closed Facebook group, which anyone can join, it's a, for people who identify as women, um, and all the events get posted there, so that's a good way to keep, it, keep up to date on what's going on with Women Uncorked. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you. You have been listening to Insert Here on Full Service Radio. We are a sex podcast where lust and learning meet, and we are constantly looking for new stories to help expand conversations around sex. So if you or someone you know might be a good guest, you can reach out to us at insertherepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast by searching insert here. If you love us or have some feedback, definitely please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And it makes a really big difference. You have been listening to insert here. Stay horny. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts, covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.